Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you again for the privilege we have to be here this evening to study, to learn from you. We trust you to teach us and to open our eyes of understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we are looking at the topic, uh, having a faith response to the word of God. Having a faith response to the word of God. We are trying to solve some basic problem that holds Christians back, that will not allow Christians, well-meaning Christians, uh, experience the power, the incredible power that is in the Word of God. It's because they're not having a fifth response to the Word of God. Now look at Acts chapter 22 from verse 6. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly... There shone from heaven a great light around about me, verse 7, and I fell onto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? God to take notice of these questions. And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they, they that were with me saw indeed the light were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spoke to me. Verse 10, and I said, what shall I do, Lord? Take note of this second question now. And the Lord said unto me, arise, go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. So we realize that there is a way you respond to the word of God for it to work. You don't respond to the word of God based on your own thinking, based on how you think you should act. When God talks to you, embedded in what he's telling you is instruction how to respond. Or he gives you some things and then you ask him, how do I respond? You don't ever respond to the word of God the way you think, the way somebody tells you. You've got to respond to the word of God the way God instructs you to respond to it. That is what is called faith response. When you respond based on divine instruction, how to respond to it, then that is faith, because faith is acting on the word of God. But when you respond based on your own thinking, your own intellectual disposition, that is intellectual response to the word of God. That is kana, that is flesh, that is flesh. It will produce nothing. Faith is always, will always be acting on the word of God. So when, we, when God speaks to you, when you hear the word of God and God gives you something, you must find out in that thing that God is telling you how he wants you to respond to it. Or you ask him and he will tell you. Now, what we do is we sit down here at the word of God. For many years, there is no purposeful response. There is no package response. There is no, there's nothing I'm, I'm, I'm going to do. I just hear the word of God and go home and that's it. Zero response. You get nothing. Absolutely nothing. There must be a consulted. There must be a faith a proposition. There must be a faith response. Based on what God has told you, from those things God has told you, the Spirit of God begins to instruct you how to respond to it. That has to happen must happen. A lot of people come to church, sit down there, the sermon is going on, they're half-hearted half to them, you know. At the end of the church, 
there is no definite plan of action that God has, no God has instructed them how to respond to these things. And they go out there, a few minutes, they forget everything, zero response. We bring zero result. Zero response, we bring zero result. Because faith is action. And then sometimes when we even respond, we respond based on how we feel, respond based on what people say. But let me repeat it. The only thing that will bring you a result in the word of God is a response based on what God has instructed you. God tells you how to respond to what he's telling you. You know, I still remember that. I think I read somewhere that Israel went to battle. They, they went and asked the Lord, you know, if we're going to defeat these people. And the Lord said, yeah, go. And they went there. They were routed. They were defeated. Oh, they came back and they spread their praying and they said, Lord, we were defeated. And then God said, well, I have not given you how to respond. You went on your own wisdom and you were, you were routed. And then the Lord now gave them instruction. Yes, you will win, but I have not told you how to respond to that. You will win. And so the Lord now gave them instruction how to do this. Go behind here. Do this one like this. And they won. That's what we do. So sometimes when we hear the word of God, oh, I know what to do. You don't know what to do, I'm telling you. You have to hear from him. Either embedded in those things you're hearing is your response from what you're supposed to do, or you ask the Lord, Lord, how do I respond to this thing? It's the same thing in the thing I was saying. When you're facing challenges in life, stop butting your head against the wall. Go to the Lord and say, this thing is not responding. What am I supposed to do? I'm not doing. What, what, is my response correct? Is my response my will? Am I doing this thing my way? There has to be your response that makes this thing work, that unlocks the power in the word of God. So it's called faith response to the word of God. We can't give the word of God your mental and your intellectual responses, which is a response based on how you feel and not a spirit response, which is a response according to what the Lord instructs. A response of faith is a response according to how you are instructed to respond by God, like Paul. You see what Paul did? Paul had this encounter, and then he saw this thing, man. And he said, first of all, he said, who are thou, Lord? Want to be sure this is the Lord. You want to be sure this is the Lord. Who are thou, Lord? Want to be sure it's scriptural. You want to be sure. It is scriptural. Who, he wanted to be sure. He's talking to me. Who are thou, Lord? This is a man that is very well versed in scripture. He was teaching, he was a scholar. Say, who are thou, Lord? And the second question he asked is very, very, very revealing. Verse 10, and I said, what shall I do, Lord? What is my faith response to this vision you are showing me? What's my role? What am I supposed to do? And he got his instruction. And now acting on that instruction is called faith response. Now, you, you, you can imagine, you can imagine that some other people saw this kind of thing. Oh boy. You hear all manner of responses. Some people will see it and that's it. They'll jump off from there. Oh, they tell everybody, you know, I saw this terrific vision. The Lord spoke to me, you know, amazing. And immediately they start a, a ministry. A ministry has started, though, anointing has come. Who instructed you? Ah, I saw the Lord. He spoke to me. Some people, ordinary dream they have, just dream, and it happens. They've started their ministry. Ministry have started. 
They ruin their life and ruin the life of people foolish enough to follow them. It's called presumption. It's very dangerous. So Paul's response is very revealing. First he said, who are thou, Lord? Want to be sure who is talking to me? It wasn't an emotional response. It wasn't an intellectual something. It wasn't an excitement something. Go around and telling people, man, if you know the vision, I saw the Lord spoke to me last night. The Lord spoke to me last night. And they will begin to raise up our shoulders and then, you know, our shoulder blades and there's nothing but feather. And God said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I am Jesus of Nazareth. That's who he's talking. So God wants us to know, God wants us to know his expectation for whatever he tells you there's a purpose for that. There's always a divine purpose for what God is telling you. And God wants you to know why he's telling you that and what the right response should be. He wants you to know. I will tell you. Remember that the things that God do does not originate in the heart of men. It does not come from human articulation. So you can't get your responses from human articulation. Some of the responses may look silly to you. But that's the response he wants you to do. God wants us to know his, his own expectation from you by giving you his life, for instance, the life of God he gave you. It's not a joking matter. It's an eternal plan. God wants you to know what he, what he expects that this will do and how you are supposed to respond to it. God wants you to know his expectation in healing you, for instance, providing you healing and how you respond to it. Because these are spiritual realities, spiritual things. They don't work like natural things. Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. What am I supposed to know? What is the hope of his calling? Sure, what is the hope of his calling? What the expectations are of his calling you to be a Christian, bringing you into the, the Christian food. What is God's expectation? Why did God give, give you grace to come? Why did God give you the life of his son, for instance? Why did God heal you? Why did he send healing words to you? Why did he die and carry your sickness? And how, what's your response to make it work? Again, we go to church, sit in pews, and we hear these things, and say, wow, that's awesome. Zero response, zero. No articulated line of action, sustained, sustained line of action, instructed, informed by the Spirit of God that you keep doing until you see that they manifest properly. None. James 1.23. Hearing God's teaching and doing nothing. <laughs> Hearing God's teaching and doing nothing. Doing absolutely. I'm telling you what majority of Christians are. Nothing. They do not. They don't even know what to do. And doing nothing is like looking at your face in a mirror. And it, uh, like, uh, sorry. Hearing God's teaching and doing nothing is like looking at your face in a mirror and doing nothing about what you saw. You do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Zero. You go away and immediately forget how bad you look. That's the point. How we forget the scriptures we read. How we forget the sermon we had. How we forget that is zero response. How in the world does something happen where there's zero response? But when you look into God's perfect law that sets people free, pay attention to it. There has to be something that God wants you to do. There has to be a response from you. Pay attention to it. If you do what he says, you will have God's blessing. If you don't, zero response, zero blessing. 
Never just listen to his teachings and forget what you had. Don't do that. If, if somebody gives you something, if somebody gives you something of value, say something of value. You have no idea what it is. <laughs> you do nothing with it. You're never going to enjoy the, the, the benefit of it. I remember somebody gave me a wristwatch. I was in a pocket. And one time, because I didn't know the, how it worked, I didn't know how to use it. It was too complicated. It wasn't using battery. It wasn't using the regular things I know. You don't whine it. And then somebody walked into my office and said, Pastor, do you know the value of this wristwatch? I said, no. I said, a, a pastor gave it to me. And then he said, Pastor, this is a lot of money. I said, tell me something, please. I said, so how do you use it? Then he said, use this art magnetic field and use this. I mean, I got more confused. I really got more confused. But that was, too, that was a very costly, sophisticated resort. But because I didn't know how to use it, I sat down there and I did nothing. Because I did nothing, it didn't benefit me at all. But I found out later on that that resort was awesome. It would change men. It would do a lot of stuff. It was really, really sophisticated. But because I didn't, I didn't do anything, Southern India, I didn't benefit from it. That's what we do with the Word of God. And that's why, you know, people really don't believe the Word of God. I'm telling the truth. We pray. We're not sure whether God had our prayer. <laughs> we're not sure. So we start looking for who to pray that God will hear. Because we discounted ourselves out of it. Because we don't believe. Because we don't know what we're talking about. And even when people pray for you, you are still not sure God will hear. Why? You haven't been responding to his word the way he said to respond to it. That's why that awesome word of God with his power, with his, with his ability, is sitting there and zero response, zero faith, nothing. That leads to ineptitude and indifference and ignorance as a result of such things. Purposeless, faithless. Christian life, powerless. To all the promises of God, there's none working for you. You know, the disciples of Jesus had the same attitude too. Well, let's see what he did to them. Luke chapter 9, verse 44. Let these saints sink down into your ear. You see the first instruction Jesus gave them? How to respond to this? Let these saints sink in, into your ears. That if, that's how to respond. That's what he told them. This is how you respond to what I'm telling you now. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men, but they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them, because they were not interested in it, that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of, of that saying, Paul asked. They didn't ask. They were not interested. See where their interest was. Verse 46. Then there arose a reason among them, which of them should be greatest as their interest. <laughs> they, were, they knew they had figured out how to advance their fortunes. So what Jesus was saying didn't fit into that plan they had in their mind. It wasn't important. That's what we do with the word of God. We have figured out how to run our lives, what to, what to do, what to go to, what to move, what to do this, what to get this job. We figured all of that out. So sitting in church, what do you need the word of God for? It's how to be a greatest, how to be greater than you are. Make more money than you have. Buy more houses than you have. Have more businesses than you have. Who to be greater? By their mind. So sinking into the what sinking, sinking what? There are no trace in it. Oh no, they figure it out. They know what they are doing. Luke chapter 22, verse 21. 
But behold, the hand of him that betrayed me is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. You think they were interested in what Jesus was saying? All that sermon in your church, all that life center teaching, they have no interest in it at all. Let it sink into your ear for we Look at the next verse, verse 24. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Look at, we went to Luke chapter 9. We came down to chapter 23. The same thing was still there. How to make more dollar. How to make ends meet greater. So I'll be greater than I'm, I'm now. <laughs> which of them shall be greatest. So I'm working for how I can be greatest. Achieve my destiny. Expand my businesses. My bank account. So what's the, what's the use of the sermon, though? So why should it sink into my head? Because I know what I'm doing. Zero response to all those words of God. Zero. Completely zero. Now, circumstances became there. Because that's when we wake up. Circumstances became really there. And they didn't know how to respond. Because they didn't even believe him at all. <laughs> they didn't believe him. All those he was saying, they didn't believe him at all. They wanted to trust it. Fear gripped them. They started to make their own decisions. Some of them went to fishing. Some of them left town. That was not what he told them. But they were not interested when he was preaching. Trials do come. Temptations come. Their situations arise. They had no faith response to his word. Luke 24 from verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. These are the women, verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, verse 3. And they entered in, found not the body of the Lord Jesus, for. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid, and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he's risen. Remember now, remember, you are not listening, but remember how he spoke unto you when he was, with, he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered. He was saying this thing, let it sink in. He didn't sink in. Now they are confused. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And now they remember this word. Verse 9. And returned from the sepulchre and told all these, all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. You think they would jump up and rejoice? Verse 10. There's no faith response. Zero. Produced doubt. Unbelief. The word didn't go in. It did not enter. It didn't enter. There's no faith at all. Verse 10. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles, the big guys. Look at their response in verse 11. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. Jesus said, let's sink into you. These words have to get into you. They could care less. They were too, too, they were too busy thinking of how to improve their fortunes. What is he talking about? Now they are confused. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. And they believed them not. Where did they start? Their response to what he was saying was according to their feeling and their human wisdom, 
not according to his instruction to them how to respond to his word. Church, I'm telling you this. Many Christians don't believe the Bible. They say they do, but their actions belies what they believe. Look at verse 13. After this thing happened, that was when some of them left and said, this thing you people are talking, <laughs> it's just waste of time. They now left totally to go back to their village. After they told them he, his reason, oh, they left, they packed their things, their baggage, their backpack, and said, we're done. This is a lost cause. They left. The word didn't sink into them. Verse 13, and behold, two men, two of them, <laughs> two, two of them, went that same day, that same day, oh, to a village called Amos, that very day, which was from Jerusalem, about three score four longs, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. They were talking, you know, we talk Bible, yeah, we discuss Bible now, we talk, you think we believe it, we don't, quote it. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, 15, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Reasoning, reasoning, reasoning. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Why? They were not interested. Are going to improve their fortune, not, not what he said. 17, and he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one of another as you walk? And, and are sad. <laughs> they just told them the Lord rose. They are sad. The Lord healed you, they are sad. You are an overcomer, they are sad. You are more than conqueror. They, Pastor, you don't know what I'm passing through. They are sad. You have the life of God in you. They are sad. Sad. They're not interested in all of that. Because it, it, it sounds like idle talks and idle words to them. Healed me. Don't you see what I'm passing through? 18. And the, and the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Aga, sir. Are thou, are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Are you just arriving from, from somewhere? And that not know the things which are come to pass during these days? And he said unto them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and the word, be, and the word before God, and, and, word, and before God and all the people were I give the word God. Oh, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. For where? Lord. For where? Verse 20. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him. If he was what they said, why didn't they believe him? Why? If his word was mighty with God, why didn't they believe it? Period. Why? Because they didn't believe this thing they were saying. They didn't have faith response. If they believed him, they were done what he said. They, this was sinking to you. Verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted, though, so just in case you do, we believe, oh. <laughs> we believe, Pastor. Ah, Pastor, I believe. Ah, Pastor. Praise the Lord, Pastor, I believe. But we trusted. So just in case you don't know who we are, <laughs> we are Pentecostals, baptized in the Holy Ghost. So we trusted. That it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. <laughs> and beside all of this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished. 
which were early at the sepulchre, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And yet, they say, we trusted. <laughs> believe, Pastor. Believe. But the sister of Jesus, are you here? Yes, Pastor, I believe it. Believe, Pastor. Verse 25. Or oh, verse 24. And certain of the women which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it, even so as the women had said. But they saw, they saw not. But him, they saw not. 25. Then he said unto them, all fools. And slow of her to believe. You don't believe. You say you trusted. You don't. You don't believe all that the prophets have spoken. You don't believe it. With all due respect, you don't. You didn't give what I said, the faith response. The faith response, the instruction I gave you, let it sink into you. You didn't care. You couldn't believe. No. And this is, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? Let's go to verse 33. And they rose up the same hour. Now those are the two men who, after now they've realized that it's alive through. Now they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. That's why they should have remained. <laughs> they shouldn't have left there. They were looking for prophets. They shouldn't have been looking for, they should have remained with the word of God. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them and saying, the Lord is risen indeed though. I had appeared to Simon and they told what things were done to, in the way and how he was known to them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Brethren, watch what happened here. Let this world sink into you. They didn't kill it, careless. It didn't sink. They're full of doubt and unbelief. Look at it, verse 37. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why? Do thoughts arise in your hearts while reasoning this out? Behold my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, since you want to live in the natural. Touch, see. What bunch of Thomases are you? Touch, see. So that's the only thing will convince you. But my word will not convince you. Unless you see, you won't believe. For your spirit had no flesh and bones. So you see me, so as you see me, have forty. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hand and his feet, 41. And why they yet believed not for joy. They believed not yet. And wondered. He said unto them, he was still showing them proof. Have you here any meat? The one he showed them wasn't enough. Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did it before them. Verse 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spoke unto you. You didn't sink in. You didn't give it the faith response. I told you how to respond to it. You didn't do that. You were more interested in your fortunes and how to better your life in this world. And he said unto them, these are the words that I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all these things must be fulfilled. You didn't need to touch me. My words were enough. But you didn't sink in. All these things will be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, were written in the scripture. Then he now took them to scriptures. The spirit of God will always take you to scriptures. That's where he's taking you to. Jesus took them to scriptures. Verse 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. What did he do? He opened the scriptures and started to show them 
This has been there. You didn't respond like I said. Let this thing sink into you. You didn't even go to the scripture to search if it is so and find it. You didn't need to touch me and do this to believe it. You, the word was enough. It has allowed, the prophets wrote it. And said unto them, Toss it is written. Verse 46. And said unto them, Toss it is written. And toss it behoved Christ to suffer now. And to rise from the dead the third day, 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among the nations. We don't pray that. We preach, we condemn people. Pray them to come and name all the sins they committed. Jesus said, no. Repentance is turning from all those dead works that have no salvation in them. Christ as the only means of salvation. And repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, now I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. Look at Matthew 28, 16, brethren. I'm still dealing with this thing. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The word didn't sink, didn't produce it. It was written. They had the Bible, didn't read it. That's what people do today. I mean, we should, we should tell the truth. That's what people do today. Luke 16, 27. I was talking with uh, Brother Chukas in Luke. I think this scripture came from him. It just jumped out of his mouth. And I said, ah, I, I'm going to read it. Luke 16, 27. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you should send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father, Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets and their pastors and the Bible given to them, neither will they be persuaded do one rise from the dead, even if they see even if they see a vision, they won't believe it. They saw Jesus. Then they saw Jesus. The scripture doesn't lie. They touched him. Still, they were doubting. That's what they say. If they don't want to accept and respond the way God is saying, respond to my word, even if you send somebody from the dead, they will not believe. They touched him and they stay doubted. The spirit of God cannot open your eyes when you are in, a, in, in, in an attitude of ineptitude, indifference to the word of God. It's not going to happen. You must be prepared to respond as it has instructed you. Then God will give you the strength and the understanding. You must be prepared. There can't be zero response and you expect result. This is how he instructed us to respond to his word. So we understand that he has given us instruction on how to be responding to his word. Number one, that's same Luke 9.44. Let this saying sink into your ears. The word of God must get into me, must get into you. You must focus on it until it sinks in. One, one time listening doesn't make it sink in. I'm telling you, you need to listen to these messages over and over. You need to read the scripture over and over and meditate on it day and night, day and until it sinks in. Let it sink in. Otherwise, you end up like they ended. Second Peter 1.19. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. 
for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your heart. It's like a lamp shining in a dark place until, brethren, let it sink in, until it sinks in, it's not going to produce. You must follow, a, give it a faith response. You must respond according to the instruction. I said, what do you want me to do? And they told him. He said, God will tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. Jesus told us what to do. Let this world sink in so that it doesn't become idle words. And when crises come, you, do, you be like that. Proverbs 4.20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. This is the instruction how to respond. 21. Don't let them out of your sight. Never stop thinking about them. This is the instruction how to respond. This is faith response. Any other thing is presumption. It is responding to the word of God intellectually, emotionally. Waste of time. 22. These words are the secret of life and health to all who discover them. For all who seek to know them. All who are interested in them. 1 Timothy 4.15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Keep it in view. Keep it in heart. Meditate on it. Think upon it. Let it sink in. That's divine instruction how we respond to the word of God. The teachings of the word of God. The scripture you read. Waiting to touch and see will not make you, make you have faith. The scripture said, even if people rise from the dead and come and preach to you, you won't believe it. The word is what we have. Faith comes by hearing the word, not by seeing visions. Hebrews 2, verse 1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have had, or we may drift away from it. Faith response. Carefully, or you can drift away from it. When you drift away from it, how does it profit you? The Bible said this is the secret of life and healing. How does it come? Are you not going to be going to Amos, going to this and talking, talking? Trust, I believe. Pastor, I said, ah, Pastor, me, I believe. Ah, I believe, 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 believe. James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what he says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. You must do the first instruction, the instruction the Lord gave, let it sink into your ears. You must get into your heart. Keep it there. Keep it in view. Meditate upon it. That's the secret of your success. He said to Joshua, you do this, you succeed in everything. That's the secret of your healing. That's the secret of your healing. That's the secret of living the life of Christ, living the life of God. It's not Ten Commandments. That's the secret of it. Oh, but we, you know, we have so many things to cook to better our lives. The Bible says, this is how you better it. This is how God betters it for you. Now, number two thing he says, instruction he gives us, have my word in your mouth. You gotta have it in your mouth. Romans 8, 10, 8. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. You see, you meditate, it gets into your heart, but you start to say it. Somebody says, I'm not going to say it. Then remain how you are. Just remain the way you are. The message is really close at your hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, that Jesus has healed you, he has healed you, by his stripes you were healed, by his stripes you were healed. If you confess with your mouth that you have the life of God in you, 
you have the very life of God, you have eternal life in you, sin will not reign over you. You find the, the secret of life, the secret of healing. Meditate, let it sink, then say it. If you confess with your mouth that you have been blessed with the blessings of Abraham, you are not under any curse, regardless of the situation. You are not living and going to Emios, going to this, looking for this, and looking for who will show you what, what you see and touch. If you give it a faith response, you will see the glory of God. It's a matter of time. If you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, your healer, your life, if you shall confess, if you shall say, but people won't say, because it's not in their heart. What you hear them say is what everybody is saying. The television is saying. How can they say five hours watching television, junk? Watching junk. Let me tell you something. There's nothing carnal this television. They don't speak for the Holy The Spirit of God doesn't speak through them. It's carnal things. It's the government of this world. The kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit speaks through his church, through his word. If he speaks through television, it's through preachers who are preaching the true word of God. Oh, you want to better your fortune? I want to be better here. Make me wiser. I want to know. What do you want to know? I've said it. If you are in communion with the Spirit of God, there is nothing important that will happen in your life. We won't tell you ahead of time. There is nothing that will happen in a country. We won't let you know. There is nothing important. The Bible says he came to show us things to come. There is nothing important. You will hear it before they know it. And he will instruct you how to pray. Because he said you are children of the kingdom. He said there is nothing that will be hidden from you. That is your right to know the things of the kingdom, the functions of the kingdom, the plans of the kingdom, the work God is doing. All his students should know. Jesus said, I've hidden nothing from you. Let me repeat it. There is nothing serious that will happen in your life, God will show you. There's nothing that will happen in your family, God will show you. There's nothing happening in your family, he won't tell you what to do. It's because we have no faith response to the ones he's telling us. That's why we are non-spirit Christians, carnal Christians, as I believe. Isaiah 59, 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them now, said the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth regardless of what is happening to you. That word must not depart out of your mouth. You are here. You keep saying it. Must not depart out. It's a covenant issue. That's the instruction. That is faith response. Paul said, what do you want me to do? Jesus is telling us what to do. Don't let it depart. Don't change it because something, the circumstances are changing. Because the disciples of Jesus, they saw, they didn't see the Lord. They, they, they started making their own plans. I was going to fishing. He had to go chasing them wherever they are. Must not depart out of their mouth. Must not depart out of their mouth. Not out of the mouth of thy seed. Not out of the mouth of thy seed. See, this is a serious thing. You teach it to your children. Make sure they learn it. Because that's the way it works. You got to say it, to release it, to work. If you are ashamed of saying it, then it's not in your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, they will speak. Then it hasn't sunk in. Then zero action, zero result. Stop, but don't, don't even blame anybody. Because God is faithful. Very faithful. So what you are saying, is that what the instruction says to say? <laughs> that, that report you are giving, is that what the instruction says to say? All that gossiping you are giving, is that what he said? All that lying you are telling, is that what he said? Is that what he said? Let me read some of the word of God for us to remind us. John 5, 50, 26. For as the father had life in himself, so had he given to the son to have life in himself. The life of the father the son has. First John 5, 10. He that believeth in the son of God, had the witness in himself, 
he that believeth not God had made him a liar, because he had believed not the record that God gave of his son. 11. And this is the record, church, that God had given to us eternal life. Not going to. Not going to. He has given to us eternal life. And this life is his son. Is in his son. Not was. The life that Jesus has now, right now, so I'm talking to you. Is in his son. It didn't say was. It's in his son. Present. I mean, you can't have Jesus in you and have a different life. It has to be the same life now. It's in his son. He that had the son had life. He that had not the son of God had not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God, which is you, believer, that you may know, not guess, not maybe, may know. What do you know? That you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the son of God. Faith response. Telling you, this is how you respond to this, you know, that you may know and that you may believe. Faith response. Then you respond as you are instructed to respond to this thing that, look, you have the life of God in you. Man, it, blow, it should blow somebody's mind that you have the life of God in you. It, it puts you in the class of God. That's why you're a child of God. A dog can't be your child unless you lost your mind. That's why they put leech on a dog. It's not a human being. Jimmy dog is not a human being. They put leech on it. I saw one. He saw another dog. He started a fight. The owner wanted to stop him. The dog put the owner down. He said, dog. He said, dog. It's not your son. He doesn't have your DNA. God made us to have his DNA. So we can be spirit being. Supernatural beings. So we can act like him. Imitators of God. We talk in his power. We talk in his authority. We live his life, brethren, because his spirit is doing all of this. We are not regular people. I told you, your intelligence is not normal. It's spirit-empowered intelligence. Everything you are doing is spirit-empowered. It is by my spirit, says the Lord, not by power, not by your flesh anymore. But look at this one, 2 Peter 1.4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. You see the nature you now have? Divine nature. Instruction. Know it. Believe it. Let it sink into you. Say it with your mouth. That's how you respond. Faith response. If you read these things, you won't, you won't, you won't let it sink. You, you won't say it. And you talk, you, you're talking like all those people going to Amos. You're really on your way to Amos already. You should come back. Quoting Bible, quoting all these things that happen, you quote, and then you talk of Jesus, mighty, 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 mighty man of power. God, mighty man of. And they say, we trust in Jesus, so you don't believe anything. Because you didn't follow instruction on how to respond to this world. Paul said, What would you want me to do so that I respond the way you have designed it so it will work for me? He did. And his, his life was an awesome instrument in the hand of God. He did. He said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Because a necessity is laid down for me. That's the response. That's what I was told to do. And he said, who are that Lord? He spent all his, all his life knowing him. That I might know him. First Corinthians six seventeen. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit, brethren. Join to Jesus, you become one spirit. Let it sink into your head. Let it sink into your spirit. Let it sink in there. Meditate on this. You are joined to Jesus. You have become one spirit. One spirit. It should blow our mind. This is a reality. 
Romans 8:11. This should end every sickness. 8:11. If the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, then He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies by the presence of His Spirit in you. He gives life to your mortal bodies. Because Jesus joined to your spirit like vine and the branch, the life of Jesus flows into your spirit and touches your body. That's what he's saying. Let me read it again. If the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, until the temple of the Holy Spirit lives in you, then, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal, mortal death, death-prone bodies by the presence of the spirit in you. I'm wearing this shirt. My, my, my undershirt is touching it, and my body is giving warmth to my undershirt. The, my body heat is touching my undershirt, and that heat is touching this. That's what he's saying. Christ lives in me. His life is flowing into my spirit like vine, the vine and branch. And then he said, this power, this life, the same life that healed the woman with the issue of blood, the same power is flowing to my body all the time. But the Bible says, let this world sink into you. Let it sink in. Let it be in your heart. Meditate on it day and night and begin to say it. Romans 8, 11. I mean, um, Galatians 2, 20. My old self. Galatians 2, 20. My, my old self. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives with me. You see the confession of Paul? Christ lives in me, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make, me, make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Paul said, it is no longer I who live. I was crucified with him because that was he told me. I live with him now. He died for me, so I died. I live with him now. And Christ lives in me. That's his confession. The word will be in your mouth. Jesus lives in me. The Christ lives in me, lives in me, gives life to my mortal bodies. It's no longer I that lives. Christ is the one alive in me. It's my life. It's my intelligence. It's my everything. I just trust him with everything. I like TPT. He says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah, that with Jesus, and no, long, and no longer lives. The old identity has been crucified with Jesus, no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. And we live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who lost me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. So that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. I don't view the word of God as something minor or peripheral. Let this teaching sink into you. Meditate upon them. If you are going to Amos, come back. Come back to the word. Come back to the word. Come back to the truth. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the word you've given us tonight. Trusting you with it, it's not by power, it's not by might, it's by your spirit. We trust you with it, Lord. The church is yours. It's the sheep of your pasture. You will build your church. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.